Wow. We're already a fifth of the way through our elementary advent calendar. Behind today's door is an iconic symbol of Christmas time. It's minty and cooling, and beneath its red and white striped exterior lurks some very interesting food lore. As We Eat is excited to present you with the 2021 Elementary Advent Calendar, a tasty countdown to 2022, full of mini episodes highlighting holiday food traditions and memories from all over the world. We don't want you to miss any treats, so be sure to tune in daily from December 1st to December 26th. The red and white confection, that is the candy cane. Now, I can't see a candy cane without thinking about the annual trek to the local department store for the obligatory Christmas photo op with Santa. Standing in line with kids dressed in their holiday finest, just literally vibrating with excitement about being able to convey that one true desire for Christmas. And if you would have asked me who invented the candy cane at that point in my life, I would have said Santa Claus. There wouldn't have been any hesitation in that answer. Of course, it had to be Santa Claus. The candy cane represented this contractual agreement. Once deposited in my anxious little toddler hand, the deal was sealed. There was no question. My Mrs. Beasley doll would surely be under the tree on Christmas morning. Now that I'm a little older, I understand that the distribution of candy does not a legal and binding agreement make. And it probably wasn't invented by that mystical, magical Christmas time being representing goodwill. But there's still some mystery around the candy cane when it comes to its origins. The most circulated story is that a choir master in the year of our Lord, 1670, in the town of Cologne, Germany, at the cathedral, aptly named the Cologne Cathedral, in an attempt to keep his young singers quiet during the living creche ceremony, slipped the youngsters sugar sticks. Now, this being the 17th century Germany, pretty conservative, the church council was outraged, arguing that the sweets were completely inappropriate for such a solemn ceremony. So, our choir master did what any respectable church-going adult would do. He asked the candy maker to add a crook to the candy sticks, telling the council that these candies were symbols of the shepherds that heralded Jesus' birth. And he even went a step further by using the pure white color the stripes that we know today were added much later, but he used the pure white color of the candy as a teaching moment. This, of course, was representative of the pureness of Jesus' life. How could the council possibly argue with a symbol that already had a religious reference and the fact that it provided this great lesson for the kids? According to Sue Benjamin, founder of True Treats Historic Candy, it wasn't until the early 1900s that red stripes were added Nobody can really pinpoint the exact origins, but there's one story about a candy maker in India. <laughs> no, it wasn't <laughs> India. <laughs> in Indiana, who wanted to create a candy that embodied his Christian faith. He started with the pure white candy stick, which represents the virgin birth. The firmness represented the foundation of the church. The three small red stripes were emblematic of the scourging Jesus received in order to heal the world and the one thick red stripe for the blood shed on the cross. The curve created the letter J for Jesus. As candy sticks go, some sources indicate that sugar sticks were used to pacify fussy kids in the 1600s, and this is likely where the lore from the choir master originated. 
We also know that they were popular into the 19th century. I actually found a reference to candy sticks in the pamphlet for the Exhibitions and Fairs of Massachusetts Charitable Mechanics Association held in 1837. And the blurb in the pamphlet states that the sticks and braided candy at the booth of A. Bowdwich, Boston, are decidedly the best in the hall. So as a confection, they appear to have been popular for quite some time. And whether or not the hook at the top was the inspiration of an overtired yet innovative choir master or a candy maker's inclusion to represent the name of Jesus, what I find particularly interesting is how a candy stick can go from being a very popular secular confection into something that is uniquely tied to a holiday with lore entwined with Christian religious tenets. As Lisa Crone postulates, we're all wired for story. It's in our DNA to create stories to help convey, explain, or celebrate our beliefs as well as our history. For me, they will always be tied to the traditional voyage to the department store when I was dressed in a fancy frilly holiday dress, feeling particularly thrilled to be able to make my holiday wish to the most generous man I knew at the time. So I have a question for you, Kim. How do you eat your candy cane? Do you start at the crook or at the straight end? I go for the crook first. And then I'll save the, the body of it for later. But I definitely love swirling a candy cane in a cup of hot chocolate. I love mint chocolate. And it's the perfect way to add that mint flavor into a cup of cocoa. It's interesting that you say that because on Spangler's website, they talk about all of the things that a candy cane is. It can be mm. a confection, a treat. It's a holiday decoration. It can be used when you're wrapping gifts. It can be used in recipes. So even though I think some of us view it just as the candy cane. It has become so much more in our culture about how candy canes can be used. I love actually hanging them on the tree as an ornament. I love putting them in a Christmas stocking. Christmas stocking is perhaps incomplete without a candy cane. Mm -hmm. And my poor husband who hates mint every year is perturbed by the presence of a candy cane in his stocking. But Santa cannot fathom not putting a candy cane in a stocking. I agree. I am faced with a very vivid memory of doing candy cane exchanges in high school. And this was a fundraiser yes. that our associated student body used to do where you could pay a dollar and have a candy cane delivered to somebody that you liked, loved, crushed on, whatever. They would be delivered in class, like usually the beginning of, of a class period, maybe second or third. There was a certain cachet in how many candy canes that you were seen receiving in class. Yeah, we had that school? too. Yes. Yeah. And I'd forgotten about it until you mentioned that. But yeah, it was the same thing around that time. You were just like, there were, again, this anxiously awaiting yeah. to see who would, or if you had sent it, how that person would react when they received yeah. it. Yes. Would you receive any? How many you received and who from? And it was always great to receive them from your friends, but you also maybe hoped that you'd get one from that special someone you had your eye on. You're hoping that maybe they have their eye on you too. Yes, I do remember nervously sending a few and receiving some, being both elated, but also slightly disappointed <laughs> that I got one from my, one of my closest friends. Of course I did. Right. So to me, that's really where they're synonymous. I'm thinking of my high school. It's, it's a big visceral memory, actually of high school and candy canes. 
I really hope that you enjoyed this episode of our elementary advent calendar. And I hope that you were also inspired and have some great stories around the candy cane and that it brought a smile to your face. And you know what? I cannot wait to learn what's behind tomorrow's door. Because Kim, I think that this was something that was part of your holiday celebration and originated in Britain, if I'm not mistaken. If you find yourself hungry for a larger portion of how food connects, defines, and inspires, be sure to subscribe to As We Eat wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We also publish the As We Eat journal on Substack. We would be honored if you would support us by becoming a subscriber at asweeat.substack.com. Happy holidays from Leigh and Cam. Here too.